everybody and welcome back to another sponge chat it's been a minute not gonna lie uh, and for that I apologize the truth is I've been focusing on the masters I've been focusing on the blog my reading and of course I've been focusing on the Academy um, we've been really really busy this year and I'm really happy with where we're going uh, the only downside is that I don't get as much time to devote to sponge chats such as these. But you're, you'll all be happy to know that we're coming back and that sponge chats are evolving. Um, we're still going to have the normal sponge chats proper, if you will. Uh, so we'll have sponge chats where we delve deeper into uh, people's journeys with NeoT. But this new, what I'm calling a sub-series, uh, Perspectives, is going to be focusing on one specific area. So we're going to have a specialist or someone who's very experienced in a certain area come on and talk about their perspective within that area. Uh, so, for example, our first Sponge Chats within the Perspective series is with Nicola Prentice. And uh, Nicola has been around uh, within EOT for quite a long time. She's, she's worked in materials writing, she's worked in teacher education. Um, and she now focuses on investing and making teachers or writers more aware of how they can make their money work for them. Um, this topic that we touch on um, is, it's been quite important for me over the last four to five years. And I say four to five years because it was only four to five years ago that I started to actually realize what money is and how it works. And I mean, this chat was quite interesting because we touched on some points such as financial literacy, something that, I, like I said, uh, I don't think I really developed that till about five years ago. Um, I hope you do enjoy this this sponge chat. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts, your opinions, and of course, your requests. So if you have anything that you'd like us to talk about, please let us know. All right, I'll leave you to that. Have a lovely day and we'll see you soon. Okay, bye. Very good, very good. Well, uh, thank you very much for being here um, in this way. You're based, you, you're based in Spain, right? Yeah, so in Girona, just north of Barcelona, which a lot of people don't know where it is, and I never used to either, but it's quite important place. <laughs> it's That's a lovely city, yeah. Uh, mm. It's really beautiful. Um, if yeah. I remember correctly. Medieval town. Yeah, yeah. And it's got like the, the, the roads are like pebbles and things like that, no? Yeah. Cobbles, yeah. Cobbled streets and stuff. It's a little bit like it always reminds because I lived for a while in York in the UK and it's basically right. the Spanish version of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really small though, right? Like yeah. The... yeah. Yeah, yeah. I went there, um, I can't remember how long ago, but it was really good. They filmed Game of Thrones in the... Yeah, so unfortunately for me, I got here the year after. So it was season six, I think. And so I know all the locations. I give people a really good tour. But if I'd been here a year earlier, because the extras, I mean, obviously they had loads of them and the rules were no glasses, no modern haircuts, and no tattoos, which is like, you know, I don't wear these glasses all the time. So I could yeah. have totally been in it. So yeah, uh, yeah I'm gutted. But it, I mean, it, it's funny because some of the places they digitally changed things. Right. Um, but, but, you know, you can go and you'd be like, look, this is where Jamie Lannister had the standoff with the High Sparrow. It's great. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I was walking around and I was like, yeah, this feels so good. But anyway, that's for, that's for another time. 
<laughs> yeah, the tourism chat. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, um, so why we're here, right? Just a brief spiel about Sponge Chats. Um, obviously, Sponge Chats started a while ago, um, and uh, pretty much they were to, to look at. My main focus there was to show people or show teachers that there is the, there there is a career in EOT. You can stay in EOT and branch out to different areas and uh, build quite a professional career in an industry that's not always that professional. Um, and now we're actually starting a, a new sort of area within SpongeBob, looking at perspectives and going a little bit deeper into certain areas. Um, and so you're the first one. Congratulations, you're the first one for that. Brilliant. Um, so I, I always start with some a big existential question, which is, uh, who is Nicola? Who, who are you? This is my question. Yeah, this is one of those funny questions because it, it, it comes down to like, what do you give your permission, give yourself permission to describe yourself as? And I think I don't want to use the word creator because it sounds too pretentious, but really at heart, I'm a writer. And so, you know, I taught for a long time, but I was making my own materials and then I branched into materials writing formally. And then I was just writing magazine articles, like whatever anybody could pay me for. If I had an idea, I would write it. And so what I'm doing now is teaching again because I'm teaching people investing. But I had to write all the materials for the course. And I've had to um, write a lot of, you know, newsletter content and marketing content. And I always thought that I'd be horrified. Marketing was something that I never wanted to do because I didn't understand what it was. And when I realized, oh, it's just writing. Love it. So, you know, I've become a kind of content creator, I suppose, but not in that influencer kind of way. But it, that, that really, like, my heart and soul is writing. Right. Brilliant. Excellent. Yeah. Well, I mean, today's chat for us is really to look at, you know, the the financial side of uh, EOT, which is often not talked about. It's almost like a taboo subject. And mm -hmm. especially when you touch on the word of investing, um, people kind of shy away. So um uh it's it's yeah i think what you're touching on is really really important um so if we can look at the chilled investor then mm. where did this come from and because oh, like you mentioned you have quite a long career in eot and i mean even looking at your uh some of the, the things that you've done you have you, you've you've written like graded readers as well you wrote a yeah. a, a book for collins as well i think as well yep. Um, so I mean that's a lot of EOT stuff. And then yeah. and then there's a big change to the children investor. It is, it's a huge change, and I never ever would have put myself down for it. I studied philosophy at university. There is no financial background that I've just been, you know, sleeping on whilst I went and did some traveling. There's none of that. You know, I, I fell into teaching because I didn't know what else to do because a philosophy degree doesn't really prepare you for very much. And um, you know. I taught quite happily, just bouncing around, going here, going there, feeling a little bit superior to the people that had gone and got graduate jobs and were working 12 hour days. I was, you know, living in Prague, I was in Turkey, I was in, you know, Australia, I was all over the place. And I never thought about money because I, you know, I always had enough to live where I wanted yeah, to right. live. And, you know, yeah. I, I was, I was, but it really was now, I think, subsistence level, but in your twenties, you don't care. And so, you know, then I started doing materials writing and that wasn't because I wanted to make more money. It was because I wanted to do something else and I wanted to write and I still wasn't really making any money. It did start to bother me that I wasn't really making any, but it still was, I still had enough for like my single life. 
but you know I've got children now so that did start to change but I still didn't I still wasn't a money person you know whatever that means to people it wasn't me I didn't have pensions I didn't have any of this stuff and my sister's got a house a mortgage a husband you know all of that much more traditional stuff and she in the last few years has been saying to me like you know you don't have a pension I'm like yeah but you know I didn't have an answer it wasn't like I had an actual answer I just couldn't engage with it and so it wasn't really her nagging that set me off, but it was just a couple of years ago when I realized I've got savings and they're not doing anything yeah. because I, I am a good saver. Like I, I have done that periodically, you know, all the time really through my life, but they just weren't doing anything. I was just like, there must be something. And I, so I started asking friends and family if anybody wanted to co-buy a flat because that's the only way that we kind of know of this is how people make money nowadays you buy a flat you rent it out but I couldn't have got a flat by myself because I didn't have enough money for the deposit and anyway nobody would have given me a mortgage because I'm a foreigner I'm a single parent and I have an erratic income as a freelancer so that was never going to happen but all the people that I asked said no so yeah, yeah. you know I you know I, with with a variety of reasons but it's still it just left me going but what am I supposed to do and it was really just that process of of trying to find out that yeah. set me on this path and then it was a huge surprise to me that I was interested in it because I I was just like you know my sister was talking about pensions I was just like oh this is so boring but there's so much more to it and actually pensions are just investing and they're really interesting so yeah. I just became fascinated by it and then I thought well shall I you know go back to university do a finance degree but that wasn't really very realistic it would have taken me six years to do it part-time I would have had to be working I've got kids it just wasn't going to happen and so I just thought well what is my skill set my skill set is teaching and writing so then it was obvious what I needed to do yeah, yeah, yeah. but I didn't have any of the business skills because I was a writer so I wasn't you know where everybody else suddenly became zoom friendly and completely like digital I didn't know how to do any of that and I certainly didn't know how to do marketing I didn't know I knew how to make blogs because I've blogged for a long time but I didn't know how to make a website I didn't know what needed to go on. so I did a foundation business course with Rachel Roberts and um learn all the stuff I needed to do and then I was just up at five o'clock every morning making my website creating my mailing list I was really on it yeah. and the course just started in May so I did a kind of beta run and there's been really a lot of interest because nobody else particularly was talking about this kind of thing like you say it just isn't the topic so it's good to be the first one talking about it but it's also bad because people are quite they've got a lot of preconceptions about what investing is. And so they meet you from a place like I would have been of like, no, that's not for me. And they kind of can't hear what you're saying because their own noise is greater. So it's yeah. breaking that to be like, look, this is perfectly achievable. I'm not saying you're going to be a millionaire overnight. This is not the kind of investing that I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. it's, I mean, thinking about, you said something interesting there, like teachers coming with this idea, like preconceptions about money and I have I have to admit my own journey with money if you will um, I only really started learning about money when I was in my late 20s and I in fact Quite the, early actually yeah I mean the, the first book that I read was uh, it was Robert Kiyosaki's uh, yes that yeah, starts so many people do you know what I mean like that and that's uh, but it was this idea of um, you know understanding the basics of I could, I, after reading that, I realized I didn't understand anything about money. Um, and it, 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 it comes back to this idea of education. And yeah. I think many of us, you know, once we start learning about money, 
there's this, this question is like, why didn't I learn this? Mm -hmm. You know, why why didn't my why didn't parents or why didn't family members yeah. raise our awareness of these things? Because they didn't know. That's yeah. why. It's because they didn't know. And that's kind of excusable. You know, your parents didn't know because their parents didn't teach them because, you know, things were very different two generations ago. But the fact that you're not taught it at school or university is criminal. And the and I get to the point where I'm just like, it must be a conspiracy because rich people, the people who are governing the country, they do know this stuff. And why is it not in a curriculum? I mean, they're starting to do financial literacy at schools, but it's stuff like, you know, how not to get, how to manage a credit card, how not to get in debt, how to budget. It's still not how to make your money just grow for you. Because, I mean, money is literally like, it's like weeds. If you just put it somewhere, it will grow and, and you know, leave it alone and it will it will just take, you know, take on a life of its own. And well, I think we're not taught this because everybody would retire when they're 40 and we'd stop being useful. <laughs> yeah i mean that's that's my dream retire at 40 right yeah <laughs> um uh so in terms of your journey then what so you, you mentioned that you know you had this idea of um you know your conversations with your sister and things like that what struggles did you go through then uh because you said that you were a good saver so you already had like a good um, understanding of what you could achieve with money right in terms of that well no because saving is you know it's nice but it's not you're not going to live off that you know i i had this false sense of security actually because I, i'll tell you the amount so you know it took me 20 years to save about fifty thousand pounds and that sounds like a lot of money and because it's a big number and it's certainly more than i could ever earn in a year you know or anything like that so it seems like a big number but you tell yourself that's fine i'm fine but that's a you could probably live off that for three years if you absolutely you know were on the bread line so i can't retire on that money and so it, it gave me this false sense of security because i always felt like i had this cushion but i've got i teach money mindset in the course as well um because i think that is part of the whole thing about investing is just you know your own sort of money demons i'm a hoarder so yes i'm good at uh, saving but only because i will not release my grip on it once i've got it so it becomes this thing where like as an ex-partner said to me your your you know your savings are useless because nothing would ever induce you to spend them and it's true there never would have been any kind of emergency that would have made it okay for me to dip into that because the psychological cost would have been so high that i couldn't have done it so i could only grow it and i could only grow it through saving and then you know in the last couple of years i haven't really been saving particularly because I've not had the disposable income. Children are really expensive. So, you know, I, I haven't been saving. And also because it's like, what's the point? What is the point of carrying on saving? Because it's not earning anything. It's not doing anything. And I can't buy a house. I'm never going to be able to. So I stalled on the saving even just with this fake idea that £50,000 was going to be enough for me for the rest of my life should I need it. So, yeah, I mean, you touch on a good point. Um... Like if there was any kind of education around finance, the thing that we're all told is save, right? Live mm -hmm. within your means, which I mean, yeah. is, is, is good advice to an extent. But if you're looking at, um, I mean, the, it's, it's interesting, like uh, for those that are outside of Spain, there's a, uh, I think it's BBVA, the BBVA, and they were mm -hmm. advertising the other day, like come to our bank, we'll give you uh, on your savings, I think it was like 0.9% or point. Yeah. And obviously they're advertising that they're like, that's a good thing. And people are like, mm. yes, I'm going to get 0.9% interest. But I mean, 
and and I think this, and I'm, I imagine you're going to touch on this in a sec. Um, why are savings? Why is putting your your money into a bank not the best thing to do with your money? In, Just in because those rates are so low, and you know, okay, they're going up now, but they're not going up anywhere near as fast as the banks. You know, they're not they're not tying it to the actual interest rate. They're certainly not tying it to inflation. So I don't know. I've tried to find this out, but my Spanish is rubbish. I couldn't find out what the actual um, uh, interest rate is in Spain. Um, but in England, you know, the interest rate is like six, seven, eight percent or something now, and inflation is like eleven percent. But even so, the best savings products in England are still like four and a half percent. Now that will probably go up in the next few months because the banks are now competing like crazy for people's money. But it's still their mortgages and the the interest they're charging you on money that you borrow from them. That's certainly meeting the the interest rate. So that they're, they're doing it that way, and then they're throwing people this you know, dry bone of of 0.9. And my bank has, has put it up from 0.1 to 0, no, 0.01 to 0.03. Wow. It's a third of a percent. It's pathetic. And Spain isn't as competitive as it seemed to me to be with the savings products that they offer compared with the UK. But, you know, if you live here, you can't take advantage of the ones in the UK. But it's just, it's pitiful. And they're able to do that because we've all got used to it. Yeah, yeah. Just like we've all got used to low interest mortgages, which are now no longer the case, but it's, they're certainly not meeting it with the savings because they don't have to. Yeah. There's yeah. no law that says they have to keep up with the interest rate, so they just don't. Yeah. So, I mean, thinking about our sector then, um, EOT is notoriously underpaid, overworked, mm -hmm. um, and hence why I say that it's quite unprofessional in some areas. Um, okay. But people do make a career out of it. People do. We we. I mean, we love this this industry, right? We stay in it because mm. of, <laughs> for the money. But what if we are going to be doing something um, worthwhile with our money? What are some of the things that teachers should consider um, if there is if they're if they've got that extra power if they if they're looking to start? And we're, we're going to talk about your course in a sec. Mm. But what are some of the things that they should consider? doing with their with their funds i think the first thing to do because it's fairly easy to do um is find out what the deal is in your country with pensions so you know you're not going to as an elt worker it's very unlikely unless you work for the british council and maybe not even then now it's very unlikely you're going to have a workplace pension so the first thing you want is a workplace pension because your employer is going to pay into that they're giving you free money if you can't have that which you probably can't you want to be finding out about pensions in your own country or if you're going to be moving around a lot, which is really the typical scenario for people, you just need to find out about things that are not pensions, but are just things where you can put money in. And basically, you're talking about the stock market. So that's not the only thing there is. And it's not the only thing I teach, because I think it's important to have a range of different types of investments. But you just need to find out what your options are. The problem is, it's really easy to say that there are lots of options. And then there are lots of platforms. And it took me six months to work all this out by myself. And, and that's from the basis of me not going to be leaving Spain anytime soon. So at least I only had that fixed kind of location to deal with. But it is hard to wade through all the information. Doesn't mean you can't do it. Reading books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad will get you onto the idea, but that's conceptual. The practical stuff is, is going to be found by uh, reading. 
um, you know, websites, information, government information. It, it's it's quite it's quite overwhelming. And like I said, it took me six months, and then I made mistakes after that. But it really is just about. I think you just need to find out about how you can invest in pensions or stock market things where the fees are low. But again, what is a low fee? Most people don't know. A low fee, trust me, is not 1%. 1% is a very high fee. So if you're paying 1%, you're paying more than you should be, but you need to then learn how it all works. And so this is, this is what I teach. And it's very hard to answer the question in five minutes because it takes me six weeks, but it only takes me six weeks to teach somebody. Yeah. It's not a degree that you need. You don't need to have a finance degree or the equivalent of now that you suddenly got to kind of scrabble to learn all this stuff. You just need somebody who's, you know cutting through it for you which is what i do but it's not hard to understand this is the weird thing it's really simple it's just a morass of stuff um i i completely agree um before i started learning about money i thought it was you know even looking at when they talk about the economics on the news right the economy mm -hmm. things like that i would tune out because i yeah. had in my mind you know it's impossible to understand um, but once you learn the basics, it's actually very easy to understand the basics, right? Mm -hmm. Like you mentioned, we're not looking here to be professional investors or, no. um, you know, investment bankers or anything like that. So we're not looking at... No, the, you're not going to be a trader, you know? That's um, not. But um, the, the absolute basics uh, are really important there. And it's interesting you mentioned the idea of pensions. Um, I mean, because I mean, I'm Australian and in Australia we have quite a... Superannuation, yeah. Very good system, I'd say, compared mm -hmm. to where we are. Uh, or in Spain, they have social security. Once you retire, you get a pension, which is pretty cool. But yeah, it's uh, the best in Europe, apparently, like the highest one in Europe. But we pay through the nose for it if you're a freelancer. So it's madness in Spain. It's mm -hmm. um, but uh, but yeah. So for for those um, people not. Would you recommend then that just for one of those points, would you recommend that looking at the idea of a pension or putting some something into something that's going to grow like a pension is one of the, definitely the first things that we should be thinking about? Well, I just think it's the one it's very difficult, again, because it's about your goals. You need to have long term and short term goals. And the problem with the pension is you can only access it after a certain age. So, and you know, if you're in your 20s, that just seems so ridiculous to you that, that it's going to put you off. So if the idea of it puts you off, crunch that one, do it later, do something else, do something that's more short term. And so there's plenty of short term things out there because uh, just the, the rise of fintech, which basically finance technology and all the tech, all that stuff that's out there now that didn't used to exist a few years ago. So you can do a lot of things like that. But what a lot of people end up doing is crypto and they've heard of crypto. And so that's what they do. And crypto is gambling. It's yeah. speculative it's not investing and so it unfortunately people take the idea of i'm going to do something with my money and then they put it there and all they really might as well just go to the casino yeah yeah i mean interesting point that you talk about the different types of investing there um because obviously there, there are many things obviously you have value investing growth investing if we're looking at stocks if we're looking at currencies and things like that um are these the things that you talk about on your course? Um... So I don't I don't teach anything to do with currencies because really that is trading, like you're getting into the thing of trading. But of course, you know, if you've got money in world currency and you start 
paying attention, then you can start changing it around. I used to do that years ago, actually. I used to, it's called um, arbitrage, I think, where you just see like, you you know, you make sure that you buy a load of dollars when they're cheap and then you wait, maybe you wait a year and you switch them over. But I think that is much more active than the kind of stuff that I'm talking about because I'm really talking about, you know, passive investing and products that behave like that, that pay out regular income. So the stock market would be the growth thing. But like you said, in the middle of that, there is, um, you know, value investing, growth investing. And I don't, in this particular course, I don't go into that much detail because I think at some point I might do something later for people who have got really into it. But I think you don't need it. You really just need to be um you know index funds basically you just need to be doing that and that's enough i think yeah yeah yeah. okay cool um so if someone takes your course then um you mentioned that it's six weeks at the end of that six weeks uh well they should be they should feel confident in being able to put their money to work correct Yes. The, the the big difference for people is that first, like, it's a load of input, like, here are the different things you can do, or at least some of the different things you can do that I think are low risk. And, and well, it's not I think, they're generally considered to be low risk. And then it's working out what your goals are. So we spend the end of the course really with the strategy. But they, and that sounds really scary, but strategy is just, you know, because I used to hear when I was learning, like, you need to stick to your strategy, you need to stick to your strategy. And I'm like, but I don't know what a strategy is. And it is just, where am I going to put my money? How much am I going to invest? You know, when am I going to put the money in? It's, it's just that. Like, what things am I going to do? Um, and so I help people plan that because it's about your goals. And there's just, there isn't one way for everybody. There's certain tools and you're going to use them in different ratios, probably. So if somebody comes out at the end of the course doing the same thing as me, then something's gone a bit wrong there because they're not living in Spain, single parent, my age. You know, it's, it's like it doesn't make sense. But it's that. It's so big change that happens to people is they just start understanding so when you're saying like it's interesting you know you hear these economics reports you just switch off and people start sending me every time it's happened now it's third course I'm on people start sending me articles and being like I understood all of that <laughs> and it really it's like this missing piece of the world and the human experience because the economy and money you once you understand money you start to understand the economy that starts to affect how much you understand politics it really like ties the missing thread that ties an awful lot of stuff together but i, I think it's empowering mm. uh, you know you if you're understanding those things you have a much better understanding of how it affects you and the people around you um and i mean eot is often thought of as like a a thing to decide but it's it's actually quite important in terms of a, a sector that's affected by these things such as politics and, and yeah. In the economy especially if you're involved in the business aspect of EOT and running your own you know institution or academy um no it, it's, it's 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 very interesting I, I thought though um perhaps someone's thinking right well I'm a teacher I'm earning let's say Spain an average salary might be 1200 euro a month somewhere around there yep. uh for a teacher they're going to be saying, okay, I'm, I'm paying rent, uh, I'm, I'm paying my, my food bills and things like that, and I have a social life. What realistically, how much money could I be putting away into investing or or should I be thinking about doing with uh, doing something with each month? Is, is, it, is it easy enough for me to do something with 50 euros a month or do I need to be putting more in? Is it, is it, is it something, I mean, this is the question, how much should we be looking to work with each month? So it really is how much can you, because anything that you do is better than the nothing that you're doing 
at the moment like well you know you the the, the general you yeah. like if you're doing nothing then whatever you do is going to be better and of course the more money you put in the higher the returns are going to be but the thing mm -hmm. is and this like needs graphs to explain it, but compound interest is the mathematical formula that's at work for you. And compound interest is just this thing that means that money that you invest, it goes up, 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 and then it just starts going up like a rocket after a certain point. And it's about time. So if you've not got lots of money to put in, but you're putting it in over 40 years, it's going to turn into something quite impressive. And it's gonna be more than the zero that you were gonna have. So it's really just what can you afford? But, you know, I think that for a lot of people as well, once they start, like, let's say that you just start by putting in 50 euros a month, then after a while of seeing, oh, that grew without me doing anything, you'd be like, mm, maybe I should put a bit more in and you start reprioritizing. And then also the thing is just you, what you're doing is establishing a habit because you're going to have that money automatically going out of your account into wherever it is you're putting it and you're not going to notice it. Because that's what happens. This, this is what happens with all of our things. And so it might mean that you've got amazing habit established. And in a few years time, you start earning more money. And now you're going to put more money into your thing. So ideally, somebody would start in their 20s. Because the, the, the maths on this, if you start in your 20s, and you put in about 400 a month, which is quite a lot. But anyway, you know, let's say that you could do that from your 20s, you will retire with a couple of million if you do it for your whole life and you have got like 10% uh, return every year. So the numbers are just ridiculous. So, you know, uh, that's maybe not realistic some for people in TEFL 400 a month, but even if you just put in a, a pound or a euro or a dollar, whatever, a pound a day, 20 years, you'd have saved 7,201 euros, dollars, whatever. But if you invested it at 10% return every year for 20 years, that would have turned into about 20,000 pounds. If you leave that there for 40 years, it'd be 159,000. So it's like no one can tell me they don't have enough money to do it because you, you can do it with anything if you've got enough time to throw at it. And if you're coming at this later, yeah, you've not got as much time, but it's still going to be better than the nothing that you were doing. So I just think that is a bit of a red herring, the how much, because it puts people off. Yeah, yeah. and it's not actually as relevant as you think it is more is better but time is the thing that matters yeah, yeah. okay another question that's probably going to come at us um we've just probably gone from a bull market to a bear market so we've yeah done something that's there's been a super everything's been going up and now ukraine covid whatever the world crisis right um they're probably going to be saying, well, uh, if I put, I put my money in and a month later, I've lost money. I've, 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 I've lost 4% on, on my, on my investment. Hmm. Um, Nicola, you told me to invest. Well, well yeah. should I be, should I take all my money out? What's, what, what's happening? <laughs> so this is the worst thing that you can do is first of all, watching your accounts is the worst thing you can do. Second of all is acting on what you see, because if you take the money out, you will have lost money. But if you leave it there, you're just seeing a, a change on paper that isn't real. And likewise, if it's gone up a lot, the people in the bear market who weren't taking their money out had not made any money until they sold those things. So the principles, you have to learn the basic principles of investment and you have to learn the psychology of it, which is don't panic, don't do anything actually. People think they should need to do something. So 
yeah, anybody who starts investing now is going to see their money go down like in the next I and I nobody can tell you how long this is going to be because we are in a bear market and we're probably heading into recession. Um, so people are going to see it go down. But what you've got to do is just keep putting your money in every month because what effectively what you're doing is buying in the Christmas sales instead of in the high season. And so it's about understanding that. And then it's about just following your strategy. And that's why you build one so that you just go, I will make an unemotional decision to carry on as I am. Because, you know, there are, there've always been ups and downs with the stock market. His, and the, the stock market is only one type of investment anyway. Yeah. So I teach other things that don't have that volatility to balance it out. But even the stock market, it's always recovered in the past because you're talking about global commerce and production and human activity and making things. And if you think that all of those things are just going to collapse and no companies are ever going to make a profit anymore and, and everything's just gone, which is what people thought in the uh, 2008 financial crisis, there were people in the investment trade who were just like, this is it. How can we ever come back from that? And of course, they did. It took a couple of years. But the recovery happened and anybody who stayed in and kept themselves investing was rich at the end of it. You know, it, it's just stay and carry on. And then these these times you start to see those opportunities instead of disasters. They're a disaster for you if you're retiring right now. But if you know what you're doing, you will have taken steps to kind of um make your devolatize if that's a word devolatize your um, your yeah. portfolio of investments anyway so you should be changing it to something less less but you know it's not a good time it's not a good time for people who are retiring right now but that's not you know i don't think that's anybody that we're talking to actually yeah um no you i mean obviously you're touching on a, a really important point, especially with index funds right the idea is that you you're putting it in there and you're kind of not looking at it for the next 20, 30 years and and seeing it, seeing it accrue um, and compound interest being at work there, working in your favor. Um, I, I think what really, for me, in terms of understanding the, you know, the, the benefits of index investing in this manner, mm. was looking at for like the, the, the S&P 500 over the past yeah. 100 years. 100 years, yeah. The recessions that we had and how every time the market overall globally has not only returned but has improved um, yeah. even with covid we had that massive massive drop and then yeah. it was the fastest the fastest return to the peak yeah. two months yeah yeah um obviously we're not professional investors and but the idea and the idea that you can put your money to work long term is it has been proven, you know, time no there. Over. Yeah, exactly. Thousands. And, you know, there is no guarantee. Mm. It is possible that we're not going to ever achieve the highs of last year. It's possible. But if you're starting now when it's down, you actually don't need to achieve the highs. You only need to achieve growth from where you started. So yeah. it's it's just this, again, it's just very hard. If you don't understand it at its basic level, then it what I'm saying sounds like nonsense. But once you start to understand it, you realize, okay, this is this is how this works. Yeah, yeah. And uh, actually, that is quite a nice segue to, to our uh, our next point, uh, sort of the last section of, of financial. It's always about books or 
or things that um, that teachers can read or, or, or dig into? I mean, obviously you've you've read a lot yourself, and um, you've obviously created your course, and we're going to send a link. I'm going to put a link to, to the course and uh, for teachers. But are there any sort of resources that you could recommend um, for teachers to dip into? To as we mentioned before, getting an understanding of those concepts or ideas. Yeah. What would be some of your recommendations? So if you're looking for basic concepts, I favoured podcasts, actually, for a lot of this stuff. And so there's quite a few that I've, you know, been slowly listening to. And it's not really that there's one thing and then you'll understand it all. You kind of got to, you know, listen to a lot of them. So the one I started with was um, Invest Like a Boss, which is a bit dude bro-y for some people. But, you know, they cover an awful lot of different stuff. And I learned a lot from them because they've read a lot and they're talking about the books they've read and they're also doing it. And now they're into a lot more specialist kind of venture capitalist stuff. But so they were quite good if you can tolerate the, the style. And then if you're in the UK, Money to the Masses and This Is Money, there's quite a lot of good stuff on there. But again, you're going to have to pick the episodes if you want to just learn about certain things. Um, so they're the three that I like the best. Uh, America, you've got... Um, there's a podcast by a woman called Delianne something, uh, Diversifying it's called. She's pretty good. So, and you can start following people on, on Instagram and Twitter and stuff who, who just put out these little sound bites. But it's, it's that way of doing it is going to take you months, yeah. like it did for me. And even when I was writing the course, I was realizing, oh, okay, there is a little gap in my knowledge here. I'm going to go away and specifically learn about that. And then I'm just using Investopedia because it's explaining the things but it's because I know what I need to look up and when you start I don't think you can just be like right I'll just read everything on Investopedia yeah no um that, that's a good point I mean podcasts for me I, I didn't I uh, for me I didn't start with podcasts um I, I started with Rich Dad Poor Dad yeah. and then I then I jumped actually to uh Benjamin Grain's Intelligent Investor which was right. a mistake because this is quite <laughs> it's yeah it's, weighty tome yeah yeah um um but you 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 raise a really good point there are a lot of things that you need to have a, an understanding of before you start flourishing yeah. um yeah, definitely and, yeah yeah and and so as you mentioned those podcasts are probably a very accessible way of of, of yeah. those things uh that's that's more I mean, it's not that you can interact, but it's probably more understandable than these sorts of things. More digestible. I mean, Money Master of the Game would probably be a more approachable book than the one that you've just shown there. Um, and then, you know, I think your book there is for if you're really into it and you really kind of want to study it. But it's not necessary. It, it isn't necessary to go in it at that level. And and I, again, you know, if you get give somebody a really hard book, then they're just going to be like, oh, I can't do this. Yeah, yeah. So I think the podcast is good because it's just so much more approachable for most people. And, you know, the dude bros make it approachable. I mean, that is what they do. <laughs> I, I love those two. So I, I, if anybody ever hears me, I'm not sacking them off. I think they're great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, brilliant. Yeah. Um, and so what about you then? What's what's next for you? Is this, in terms of the chilled investor, is it just focusing on this course? Or are you going to be focusing on other things in the future? Well, I'm I'm still because I've I've run the course. This is the third time of doing it live, and the the point of that was to get to the point where I was perfectly happy with the content, and then I'm going to turn it into something more like self study, 
but with some live elements, which I'm sort of, you know, I'm I've not changed the content this time, but I am tweaking the structure. I'm starting to realize that people want the, the input stuff doesn't really need the interaction, but it's the questions and the, um, the strategy stuff and, and the handholding, actually. People kind of need a little bit of encouragement to then start opening their accounts. But um, so I'm going to sort of change the way that I do this. So in January, the next course will hopefully be partially at least video based. And then what I want to start doing is try to break it down into bits so that people can be like, OK, I just want to deal with this part. Because for some people, they just the price is a problem for them. The time commitment is a problem for them. But, I, but it's hard because you can't ethically just teach a little bit of it because then people will only know about that thing. And they won't, for example, the psychology, they'll think, oh, well, I'll skip that. I'll be all right. But they won't because I wasn't, I sold stuff in a blip last year uh, and then took the loss because I'd crystallized it. And then I put it in something riskier. And I just like, I, you know, I look back at myself now as an idiot, but the problem is, is you can tell yourself all of this stuff because you've heard people talk about, you know, leave it alone and you won't. So you need to really learn the psychology. You really need to understand it, but it would be easy for people to skip that part. So I, I want to try to turn it into something that's a bit more modular, but that won't just leave people with part of the story and then they will it will kind of end up going wrong for them probably. I don't I don't want that on my conscience. So that's it. That's my challenge is sort of mess, messing around with the material a bit so that it can be a bit more breakdownable. But I don't really see myself having different things because the thing is, is once you've taught somebody about investing, there isn't really anything else to teach. It's yeah. a, you're done. Just go and do it. Don't think about this again if you don't want to. Yeah, I could teach things like, you know, allocation portfolio models and different allocation things and stuff. But it's like, it, it isn't important enough. I'm quite interested in it. And I also might go and do a course about trading. I, you know, could I do that as a full-time job? Maybe. So I, it's going to be more about like what I do personally, I think. I don't think there's anything to teach other people. And even if I learned trading, I would never try to teach it to somebody else. So this is kind of where I stop, really, because, yeah. you know, it isn't something that you're going to have to keep learning about. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Very cool. Um, all right. To finish off, then, if you had to give three tips to teachers, kind of summarizing what we talk, we've talked about, so what we've chatted about so far, Three general tips for teachers and money. What would it be? Okay. The first one is um, just work out an amount that you can put aside every month. And it doesn't have to be a lot. It just has to be something you can commit to. So make it, you know, not scary for yourself. Commit to it and have that be put aside. And then you can go and learn about investing. And then you'll be able to have somewhere for that to go. Um, the second one is your biggest way of investing really is in yourself. So if you can do a course or do a thing or start your side hustle or whatever it is, so you can put more money in the top, then you're going to have more money to invest. So that's the second one. It, you know, there's nothing's going to replace a pay rise. Really. And the third one is, you know, get a pension. Just do it. <laughs> you know, it, it just you, the state pension might not even be around. Yeah, yeah, exactly. when we come to it and 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 you know spain is notorious for the fact that it's paying the best pension ever but it's completely unsustainable so don't don't rely on that do something yourself there are tax free there are tax breaks usually on um pension in some way you just have to find out what is the one in your context and then take advantage of it because tax break is free money as well yeah, excellent 
Well, Nicola, a, a very, very insightful uh, perspective, sponge, sponge chat. Um, I, you know, I do hope teachers listen to this and think, I can do that. Yeah, because you really can. You really, really can. It's something that's been so gatekeeper guarded, but it's only because people don't. They want to make a lot of money from doing it for you. Do not, that should be the third tip, actually. Do not use a financial advisor. Don't hand it over to somebody else. They will charge you and it will cost you thousands and thousands and thousands over your lifetime. Do it yourself. Just put in a bit of time to learn it and then do it. Yeah, brilliant. Well, I want to say thank you very much for, for being here today. Um, for anyone that's listening or watching, I'm going to put links to the Children Investor. Uh, and for those that want to get in touch with you, Nicola, they can get in touch through 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 the site and through LinkedIn, I think. Um, and do when's your next course? Do you have any uh, courses? So it will probably start in about the third week of January, just because I think give people a bit, little bit of time to recover from Christmas and, and schools in Spain don't go back until the 9th. So... I won't be available um so yeah next one in January and then we'll see because by then I might have it as a more kind of rolling evergreen type of of course but January would be the next one and you know in the meantime sign up for my newsletter it's really just a way of getting to know me a little bit better and see how a longer version of how I got into it in the first place um and I really love writing that newsletter so this has given me a real opportunity to just write again so I would do that so you'll find that by visiting the website which is uh childinvestor.com and you can just sign up to the newsletter and that would be the way to kind of just you know hang around a bit and see what I've got to say excellent well Nicola thank you very much and uh, we'll see you again soon okay thank you all right bye